Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Scott Luton and Tony Sheroda with us here right on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Tony, you're back. How you doing? Great to see you here today. I'm back, so things are good, right? I'm glad to be here, Scott. It's an honor to try to fill in for Greg White, I have to say. Um, I'm used to seeing his picture and his face, but uh, we're good. We're doing well. Well, great to have you. One of our favorite series here at Supply Chain Now is our Reverse Logistics Leadership Series. And you're right. We are missing the one and only Greg White here today. He's got family in town, and that's some that's some time we need to protect. And, and he's, he's uh, showing his family around all the great things around the metro Atlanta area as we slowly but surely take some steps into the post-pandemic era. Although we're keeping our finger on the pulse of all the all the uh, developments there across the country and across the world, so. Right. Uh, but at the very least, he's going to be able to reconnect with his family, and uh, that's really important. So, Tony, today we're continuing our reverse logistics leadership series, which of course we conduct in partnership with the High Flying Reverse Logistics Association, which you lead, right? Yes, and uh, I have to add, Scott, it's not too much of a detour, but just to say how great it is in the last week or two to have been able to go to an actual business lunch in person and shake someone's hand and uh, or give a hug. I mean, it's just been <laughs> a, a, a world-changing events like that are just – you're so grateful that you know a lot of people in the business community, Scott – have done the vaccination. So it's just amazing. And I cannot wait till we get a chance to get back together in the amazing studios down in Atlanta. Uh, I love that. I love your optimism and you, you're right. Uh, in fact, we are at this very moment planning our third iteration, our biggest studios yet right there in King Plow. So we will see you soon and we'll share yeah. a cheeseburger perhaps afterwards. Uh, break some bread. But for today, we've got a huge show teed up. We've got a wonderful repeat guest, which we always love a repeat guest. We've got Rich Bolger with Cisco joining us once once again. Tony, you ready to talk with a, a business leader from one of the world's most admired com uh, companies? I don't know if I'm in the same class. I am honored to have Rich with us again. It's great. So as you said there, again, Tony was kind enough to introduce us to Rich when we were uh, in Vegas at the RLA Annual Conference 2020. Was that right, Tony? It seems like a lifetime ago, but it was February of 2020, just ahead of Modex and just ahead of the world changing. Uh, and, and it's 18 months, but, uh, but it's 18 months, long right. months. Feels like 18 years. But nevertheless, we had a great conversation, so it's great to have him back sharing some of what he is seeing across the reverse logistics landscape and beyond. So stay tuned. He'll be joining us here momentarily. But before we do that, Tony, Let's make a few announcements. We'll say hello yep. to a few folks, and then we're going to dive in with Rich. So I want to bring this in. So, folks, uh, join us August 18th. We've got a great webinar coming up with our friends from Quip and Alloy. Uh, Greg and I are going to be interviewing Imran Patel, 
and talking all about their omni-channel evolution at one of Amanda Luton's favorite companies, which, uh, by the way, that was the case before we scheduled this webinar. So learn about Quip, August 18th, 12 noon Eastern time. The link to join is in the comments. Then September 7th through the 9th, uh, Supply Chain Now is the virtual exclusive provider for uh, the Supply Chain Insights Global Summit. Uh, hybrid event. Uh, you can have a small gathering in Franklin, Tennessee, where the keynote's taking place, and we're going to be broadcasting the virtual version uh, there in September. Register to learn more uh, at supplychainsightsglobalsummit.com. Okay. So, Tony, now that we've paid the bills a bit, we get to say hello to a few folks. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right. I should start with the, the team behind the scenes. So, today we've got Amanda, Jada, Allie and Clay all helping us produce today's live streams and engage in all the commentary we have. And by the way, Tony, we got to give Jada a high five for nailing that intro, huh? That was awesome. That was awesome, Jada. <laughs> hey, it's the small things in life that add up to the big, big, uh, big change we want to see. So I love that, uh, Jada, and thanks to the whole team there behind the scenes. All right, so a bunch, a slew of folks. We got a new, new participant here, the Great Freight. Sage Logic, maybe a band via YouTube. Great to see you here with us today. Shrinivas is back with us from India, tuned in via LinkedIn. Shrinivas, hope this finds you well. Great to see you. Rhonda, Dr. Bumpenza Zimmerman is back. Uh, Rhonda, it's great to have you on our learning session last night, uh, the mini master class put on by uh, a variety of folks. Tony, you were going to say something? Uh, I, I saw the name Peter Bull show up, and uh, he, we've had conversations uh, about the other parts of the world as well. He's up there in Canada, and there's that frustration of, when are they going to let us cross the border again? They don't <laughs> like us up there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna, that, that is excellent commentary, and that doesn't surprise me. Peter knows everybody. Peter Bollet all night and all day, and I'll touch more on that in just a second. Clay is, is with us. He's watching that Braves uh, trade deadline wire as well. Hey, Azuka, great to have you back. Now, Azuka was a home run live stream guest with us a month or so ago with Jenny Froome, uh, a couple months back perhaps, inspired the world. And great to have you, Azuka, via LinkedIn. Thanks so much for joining us. So, Shil is back with us. Great to see you. Vittori via LinkedIn. Welcome, welcome. Boima via LinkedIn. I hope I said that right. If I didn't, let me know. Great to see you here today. Now, you mentioned Peter Bollet. And my French is horrible. So, I, so, Tony, if you want to take a stab at what they say uh, in Montreal, by all means. Hey, that's as far as I can go with the <laughs> okay. French Canadians. Sorry. I've got family, but they don't go as far as Montreal, just Toronto and, uh, and Windsor. And, uh, and, but Peter is uh, in – and actually, we're working with some companies now in uh, Quebec province, and uh, they are the nicest people on the planet. I, it just It's amazing to talk with them. Agreed. And Peter led off our mini master class on professional uh, development, advancement, finding jobs, and, and you name it yesterday. Ta he shared seven key things for advancing your career, and it was, it was home run stuff. Uh, I'm so glad we had him as a leadoff hitter, so to speak. And Peter, appreciate all that you do. So thanks so much for joining us yesterday. Sanjeev is with us from India via LinkedIn. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, Rhonda, I appreciate your feedback around our, our marathon webinar yesterday. And uh, really, you know, you know, to see the interaction and hear the feedback and get hear the questions and the responses, man, it's just a, it's an awesome time spent by a wonderful panel. Uh, let's see here. Ziggy is back with us via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Ziggy. Suresh, 
Sophia, the supply chain ambassador. Sophia, it's great to see you yesterday on the webinar. And finally, Joseph, also via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Joseph. I apologize for the folks we couldn't get to, but welcome, everybody. You, We have a wonderful conversation teed up here this morning. So, Tony, with no further ado, are you as excited as I am to uh, bring on our featured guest? I am. I just, I'll also add, it's always amazing the people from all over the world who focus on this area. I mean, you have, we're also a global association. We have a lot of attendees uh, that participate. It's just amazing how everyone can be focused and be very passionate about this space, including our friend Rich. Agreed. Agreed. So, on that note, with no further ado, I want to bring in Rich Bolger, Director of Global Reverse Logistics uh, with Cisco. Hey, good afternoon, Rich. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are y'all? You're making me blush. <laughs> well, you're one of those standout guests across some great programming that we did in person in Vegas. And, and, and although it was 18 months ago, it felt like 18 years ago, but really enjoyed the passion and the perspective you brought. And really appreciate the opportunity to share that once again with our global community here. Yeah, you bet. Uh, one of the things, Scott, I'd love to tell you is um, after that interview that we did in Vegas, I can't tell you how many people reached out to me just based upon our conversation. Kind of like Tony mentioned, it's very impressive the global reach that Supply Chain now has and get its message out. Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate that. Those are some marathon sessions. And as Greg and Amanda and Vicky like to point out, as we signed off one of those days, Tony, I got my name wrong. And usually I struggle with everyone else's name <laughs> after those long days. I, was, I wasn't seeing straight, but Rich, you were a highlight and really appreciate you carving some time out from your really busy schedule to be here with us today. Always a pleasure. So, Tony, uh, I'm going to start. I want to ask both of y'all some questions. Now, Tony, you're you're kind of officially my co-host today, yeah. but uh, you're not going to get away from answering some questions too. So, uh. today, folks, is National Paperback Book Day. Now, the first paperback book uh, were published in 1938, from what our homework has told us. There's nothing quite, even in this in, in this digital era, there's nothing quite like putting your hands on a good book mm. and and reading other folks. Um, perspectives and journeys, you name it. So my first question before we get to know and reacquaint ourselves with Rich, Rich, what's, your, what's one of your favorite books of all time? Funny enough, I actually got it behind me. It's uh, been behind my desk now for a while. It's a book that I read when I was in the, uh, in the military. It's Colin Powell's autobiography, My American Journey. Colin Powell is a, a hero of mine for multiple reasons. You know, he, he grew up uh, poor as an immigrant from, you know, parents of, uh, of immigrants and he joined the military. He was the very first person to go from traditional officer candidate school to commander of the Joint Chiefs without going to West Point. Wow. So really a, a self-made man who pulled yeah. himself up by the bootstraps in addition to uh, being the first African-American chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was the epitome of what a soldier should be. And I read his book when I was 19. I was in the Army. I joined at 17. And the 101st is a uh, air assault division, rapid deployment, you know, anywhere in the world in 72 hours. You learn how to repel out of hel helicopters. I hooked my five-ton truck up to a Chinook helicopter and my truck flew away. Grueling, um, grueling type of training. But once you get done, you get a uh, coin, air assault coin. So the tradition behind the coin is you always have to keep it in your wallet. And it makes a sound when you drop it. But if anyone ever challenges you to show your coin and you don't have it, you either have to do push-ups or buy a beer. And I had a chance to see Colin Powell speak 
at Vanderbilt when I was 19 years old, and he wrote about the coin, the tradition, and he said he'd never been successfully challenged. So I got to meet one of my heroes, tell him that uh, you know, his book is one of the most inspirational things I've ever read. And I hope as a soldier, he understands my question without you know, taking any disrespect from it. But Nashville and Fort Campbell were about an hour away. And I asked him if he came this close to the 101st Airborne Division without his coin. <laughs> and he didn't have it. So I'm oh, in front of about 2,000 people. And he told me he owes me beer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I am so glad we started there. I wow. love those that That's anecdote, amazing. and I bet there's a lot more. I appreciate your service to our country. You know, I, I was in the Air Force, and don't tell anybody, but I don't have my coin within reach. Uh-huh. So I, I, I'll, I'll owe you a beer as well, uh, Rich. <laughs> now, I got to add here as well. Peter says, wow, you have Dave Grohl's goppel, uh, doppelganger on today, Rich. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I get David Grohl all the time. I bet. And I tell you what, I've been called many things, but getting compared to a rock star, I'll take it. <laughs> Good job, Peter. Uh, checks in the mail, man. Hey, uh, so Tony, uh, so it's going to be tough for you to top that. I, no, I should, no I should, way. By the way, uh, Colin, when I hear the name Colin Powell, first thing that comes to mind is integrity. And, of course, there's there's so many quotes and leadership stories and service and, and much else. But I uh, appreciate you sharing that. But, Tony. I, What's one of your favorite books? I can't go there. After that story, let's just not... I, I thought it was cute to talk about the escapism books that I read, like Stephen King, Dean Koontz, and right. one of his latest ones, Dean Koontz always talks about animals a lot, dogs. They're very featured, and and, and it brings to life uh, our dog and, and just animals in general that, that are, you know, service animals. And uh, but just let's go on to the next one because I, I, after Rich, I love that. Uh, that was tremendous uh, presentation uh, discussion about Colin. I absolutely admire him as well. And uh, l- let's go past someone we're not going to admire, but it's escapism. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. So I want to share two recent reads that's on, that's on my radar. Everybody wants to rule the world. Uh, Ray Wang uh, is is a network colleague of mine. He was just interviewed the other day by one of the major news uh, networks, big tech leader. Y'all check that one out. And one that has, uh, we've gotten a ton of feedback as we've kind of sent it out to some of the folks jumping on our live streams and whatnot, is The Memo by Minda Hartz. And I had a good fortune of rubbing elbows with Minda on a couple live streams, and she is quite a thought leader that's promoting uh, a really effective and successful diversity and inclusivity uh, for leadership across the business world. So y'all check out those two titles. Okay, so more about Rich Bulger. He is our uh, star of the show here today, along with all the folks in the skyboxes here. So, so Rich, let's just refresh our our folks' memory of, of, of you and, and what you do at Cisco. Tell us some more about your role and a little bit about this uh, most admired company in, the, in, the, in really the world. Sure, I'll start with, uh, with Cisco. You know, Cisco, is one of the leading technology and security companies on the planet. You know, we uh, manufacture very big things and very small things and software that connects the world. You know, we do everything from uh, massive server farms that are helping uh, transmit the information that we're relying on to have this conversation today to desktop phones and a lot of, uh, of corporate offices to telepresence machines. We're a global company with a, uh, a vast portfolio and I run the reverse logistics. So RL101, anything that is sold can get returned. 
and you've got returns that you don't want to have, credit returns, where you buy something, customer realizes, I didn't want it, I bought too many, and they have to send it back. Mission is to try to drive those down. Then you have uh, some of the good returns, the things that you want to get back. Truly circular programs like the lease yeah. return, where a customer yeah. uses it and you want to go through and encourage getting it back. Um, I run Cisco's global reverse logistics, so my team handles all RMAs from the stock rotations, trade-in, take-back. I've got plants all over the world. I've got one in the Netherlands. I've got one in the U.S. I've got a major one in Hong Kong, Japan. We've got about 15 different locations all over the world that either do um, in-country receiving or help us shepherd product across borders. I've got partnerships with uh, over 65 different recycling locations. It's hard enough as it is to get a new thing from where we make it to a customer. When you deal with return products, especially internationally, no country wants someone's trash imported into their country. And most people think that what is used has no value or is garbage when in fact the residual value on a highly technical, highly durable product like Cisco there's a lot of value that you can generate if you know how to do it. And I run, I'm part of a phenomenal team of folks that are really good at taking something complex, making it simple to help Cisco not only drive its top line revenue, because we, we hit top line revenue from reverse logistics, but do it in an environmentally sustainable fashion that helps us all be proud of the work that we're doing. I love that. And, and you know, I know Tony, handling returns successfully and effectively so that they, you know, you can pull them back into a circular economy is, is near and dear to your heart. Quick comment before I go to some of the comments in the stream. What what would you hear Rich say? Oh, I heard Rich say a lot of great things. And not only that, you have to recognize they've come from negative numbers. 10 years ago, maybe, Rich, 10, 15 years ago, the returns were a negative number at Cisco. And they did a complete turnaround. And most important, Rich didn't throw it out, but you did, Scott. We focus now on this circular economy concept. This is sustainability on steroids. And companies like Cisco that recognize it, again, not just turning around a negative, but actually making it part of their whole chain from ideas to birth to production to taking it back. And Cisco is, is a world leader in this class. And again, it turns out that it isn't just about doing it because it's important and environmental. You do it because it also is valuable. And it, as Rich said, it can be profitable in many, many ways. I mean, there's losses involved in reverse logistics and returns always. But right. you mitigate those by projects and programs that Rich and Cisco have created. It's just a phenomenal way of thinking of it. And again, we are being circular and, yep. and reverse. You can't be circular without reverse. And then That's we're there. I'm with you. And, you know, the remanufactured market, if I'm not mistaken, is going to be a $25 billion market in the next couple of years. So there's a lot of interest in that. There's a lot of interest in, in um, you know, buying everything non-new, which is great to see from a consumer standpoint. So I You were small on the numbers there, Scott. Oh, you said okay. $25 billion. Let, let's, let's give that a factor of 20 Oh, goodness and, gracious, and Tony. We're talking that the secondary market in North America alone is $450 billion plus. 
Wow. And I'm talking about things that are sold from everywhere from the big lot stores and the uh, e-commerce sites that sell refurbished goods all the way down to the pawn shops, Craigslist and eBay. That's where all this stuff is being sold. A secondary market is gigantic. And there's a gentleman, Zach Rogers at Colorado State, who can give you even more details about it. It's just, it's phenomenal, Scott. See, I know you do a great job standing in for the one and only Greg White because he also tells me exactly when I'm wrong. And so you're going to fit right in perfectly, but I appreciate that clarification. It is massive. It is massive. Yep. Um, you were actually close because uh, $25 billion is about the used market cap for products in MySpace. Ah, thank you, Rich. Thank you. Great save. I appreciate that. Got I got it. a little of my credibility back. A little bit. A <laughs> <So>, little bit. <laughs> let me share some comments here. Sophia, yes, I'm going to have to owe. Well, see, I, instead of doing push-ups, I'm going to give Rich an adult beverage. So I, it's one or the other. And uh, But it's a great reminder, Sophia. I've got to start carrying my uh, at least one of my coins around. I think this is Donald, and, and Donald completely agrees with you. I think this is Donald Bourne here. He was with us yesterday as well. The Colin Powell book is awesome. Love how he speaks to recognizing his staff that clean up his office. Because of their work, they give one of the first impressions of the U.S. to heads of state worldwide. Excellent point there. Clay likes, uh, he just started to sell as human. That looks like Polly. Polly from Raleigh shared it with him. That's wonderful. And then finally, maybe a mutual colleague here. We love Charles Heater in our live streams. He's, he's a wonderful, always wonderful POV. He says, Curtis Grieve tasked me with automating Walmart reverse logistics back in 1990. But he says he responded to Curtis, but I don't know how to program. <laughs> Kurt said, go buy a book. <laughs> I love that. So awesome. All right. So moving right along. Then y'all keep the comments coming. We're going to try to reference them as much yeah, uh, as we can. Can I respond to what, uh, what Curtis uh, had yeah. just Because uh, I got one of the best gifts I've ever gotten recently from uh, my team. And it's also behind me. It's a whole bunch of duct tape and super glue um and uh you know when you go through and you're looking at programming and and other things uh they can be expensive and uh, especially recently i know we're going to talk about covid and the pandemic we've been challenged to do more with less but i oftentimes go through and say you know we, we have a target of where we want to go we're here now how can we get better then with the capabilities and capacity we have right now, if we have to use duct tape and super glue, we're going to make a change. And my team <laughs> said, you know, I, I started getting these Amazon boxes from my team. And uh, the gift from you said, since we can't afford to get you three years and $3 million, here's some duct tape and super glue to hold you over. <laughs> so just like uh, Curtis's story of a challenge, particularly in, in RL, which doesn't tend to get a lot of love, as leaders, we're tasked with figuring it out. Mm. Uh, so I love the initiative of you've got a problem, you don't know how to do it, and a leader challenging you to buy a book and figure it out. Yes, agreed. So we've got a, um, I've got a great, this may be getting ahead of us a little bit, but I'm gonna go ahead and ask it because it's a great question from Sophia. And it really mm -hmm. speaks to the broader issue we have as reverse logistics and returns and, and that whole aspect of retail. So Sophia says, such an interesting and important role, Rich. Curious to know some of the strategies that Cisco has, has used to reduce returns triggered by the quote, didn't need it, unquote, reasons. Any comments you want to share there, Rich? Yeah, one of the most important things is to gather intelligence and use that intelligence to, to share it. A lot of people think that reverse logistics is seven guys in a forklift. When you go through and you send something back, throw a note in for, uh, for Tony to give you a call, and if Tony doesn't call you, shame on him. 
But reverse logistics at scale is a treasure trove of information. So you can see things uh, that cause returns to come back like um, undeliverable. Thing went to a wrong address. Why did it go to a wrong address? Might have been something as simple as the address field wasn't long enough to, to capture the full address and things got truncated. You get to see the damage that comes back to the products. So if a customer rejects something because it was damaged in shipment, well, how do you share that information with the packaging engineers? How often does that happen? Is there a particular carrier, a particular geography? Is there a particular unit that's coming back with a dead on arrival classification? What caused it? How can you build it better? If you take RL as a sales mission of how do you go through and make sure we keep the money that we have and build better things to provide a better experience, you can change the world. One other thing I found is a lot of the return policies that were built were built when Cisco became a company. So over time, reverse logistics, and, and you know, this is one of the things to underline if you lead a reverse logistics team, reversal logistics has to change just as fast, if not faster than the sales channel, if you wanna be effective. So things that we had with uh, return reason codes and tolerance levels and thresholds, yeah. you're allowed to return X percent of your stuff, worked when the majority of our partners bought and held things. As we've changed to more of a just-in-time model, our customers are having things sent directly from the, carry, uh, the manufacturing site to their customer, so they're not holding on things as long. They don't need to buy and hold, so those thresholds didn't make sense in today's model. So if you know the lay of the land and you can see and read the tea leaves and organize the information and connect dots, there's a lot of things that you can do to make sure we maintain top line revenue. I love that. And I also love what you're speaking to, which sounds like, you know, user experience, that customer experience. Y'all yep. go through that and know all the details and find those ways. And of Scott, making let's, throw, let's throw in the fact that Rich's company, Cisco, is primarily a B2B which really drives their production capacity and capabilities and improvements. There's, there's a tighter link there. Let's go to the consumer world where it's a nightmare. I mean, if anyone's ever looked at Amazon reasons for returning this lately, it, it's, it's a mess. And it doesn't really identify it clear enough what the experience issue was, right? And, and let's go one step further. Let's pretend we're back in retail stores and you've got the return desk at Target or Walmart. <laughs> Just stand in that line and watch those people for a few minutes. They're going to say whatever they can say to get their money back the fastest. They're not going to tell you what really went wrong with the product if something went wrong. And, and that's, that's the frustration of, of didn't need it because uh, Rich and, and what I did at Phillips 20 years ago was to categorize the types of returns, the damaged ones. Those are so important. He's right. You can make a difference. You can make incremental differences, but it becomes huge numbers. Agreed. But it's that didn't need it is the challenge it's we call it the holy grail the no technical fault found returns are inexplicable the engineers would fight you and say why are you taking things back that are not defective they work why are you taking them back you're too liberal you're too yeah it's it's uh, defective like charles heater says here that's the call at the desk it's defective just give me my money back and it doesn't help us as a manufacturer world or the retailer world to understand how do we fix this right. but when you get behind the scenes with surveys and reaching out to people and trying to understand it uh, you can get somewhere and then that little bug 
drug called Net Promoter Score comes yes. into play. And that helps all of us. And I know Cisco is a big proponent of that as well. So just that didn't need it. Sophia brought up, she's right. It's, it's, it's a vast wasteland of answers needed. Agreed. Specificity and, and then some. Uh, all right. So I'm going to circle back to Rich and ask about, we're going to shift gears and talk about Eureka moments, right? Kind of, kind of leave your role for a second and then we're going to come back. But before I do that, I want to share Kelly Barner's uh, comment here. So Kelly leads Buyer's Meeting Point, also leads Dial P for procurement here at Supply Chain Now. Such a fantastic point from Rich Bolger about the need to keep policies in line with the current needs of business. Policy redevelopment may not feel sexy, but nothing hurts a business like a policy that is out of alignment with reality. Kelly, always well, so well-spoken there. I appreciate that. Okay. So, Rich, moving right along for the sake of time. I've got 1230 here. and we got, we got an hour, Rich. We're going to maximize it, Tony. You ready? Yeah. So, you know, one of our favorite questions to ask around here is, you know, eureka moments. And the pandemic age, certainly, uh, one of the silver linings is this offered no shortage of eureka moments, unlike many other things. So, Rich, tell us, if you surveyed the last 18 months or so, you know, what's been one of the more powerful eureka moments that you've experienced? There's a uh, there's a lot. One of the most important, and I think we're all discovering this, is as a culture, a global culture, we are going through a massive acceptance of new technology and, and evolution. You know, it, it is happening at breakneck speed because you're surprised what you have to do when there's no option. You know, those who were adamantly opposed to telework, telemedicine, teleeducation are now big proponents of it because they've seen that it works. I often uh, train my team and when I was working in retail stores, you know, whenever you roll out a new initiative, you've got to make it simple. You have to show that it works and you have to create an inspection point to make it easy to, uh, to continue the, uh, the momentum. But the entire world has shifted remote, which has changed things. A lot of the uh, the places I would typically get on a plane to go see happened yesterday. You know, I wanted to go visit one of my sites. You know, you learn a lot through reporting. You learn a lot through what people say, but you also learn a lot when you can go through, do a surprise inspection, walk out on the floor. How many things are there? What do my shelves look like? Yep. You know, go back to the third rack on the right. What is the label on that? And what data is on there? I didn't need to send a contingent out there. One of my colleagues was in that site. He called me and said, hey, I'm here. I'm like, great, can you throw it on, you know, throw up a WebEx? Can you use it on your phone, walk through, you know, look to the left, go forward. Eureka. Uh, show me the, the label on, uh, on that one third to the right. And I was able to get a sanity check for the state of my operation the day before a financial year closes without having to physically be there. So part of it was me getting over the fact that I needed to go places to learn things. And the other part is how do you do it? We've all evolved through this uh, this process. Agreed. And and I should reference, and Antonio, love your response here too, but Saminda Hartz, who I referenced earlier, had a great quote that I, I think is so relevant these days. It, business leaders have to make work work for everyone, right? I mean, it's, it's the latest and, and one of the biggest challenges we have as leaders right now through these uncertain times. So, Tony, you want to follow up on his point there and then feel free to take us into this next segment with Rich. You know, I've lived on this reverse side for a while. It's starting to affect my nature. I generally try to be a happy-go-lucky guy with the most <laughs> optimistic view of the world. But I saw a photograph 
an aerial shot of a thousand trailers sitting outside a, a motor speedway filled with returns. And what I worry about is we don't know how bad it is out there. Not so much on the B2B side that Rich is, is you know, Cisco's focused on tracking everything and they're great at it. But all these massive amounts of e-commerce returns are out there somewhere. That's why warehouses are full, why companies like Milestone Trailer Leasing are maxed out. Uh, this stuff's all hiding out there to be touched someday. And then that's that's a negative eureka moment, but it's a eureka moment. We got to do something about this stuff. It's sitting there. It needs to be handled. And um, so that's a couple of important areas. But uh, So let's ask Rich, if we could, um, come back to you and, and talk about two or three topics. Uh, you mentioned technology, but maybe a couple of others in our, in our space, the reverse logistics returns world that you're watching and tracking the most right now. So I think the uh, whole circular economy, reverse logistics space is something that a lot of companies gravitate towards. Yeah. They, they, you know, it, it sounds good. I want to be good to the environment, but the devil in the details of how do you do it? And while circular economy is important to some, the other things that are also important to them, there's sometimes a gap. So I've been working a, a lot on a strategy I call customer two. And customer two is um, customer two is that like, I gotta clarify for us slower folks. A numeral two is it as in also? It, it's the number two. So okay. if you think about okay. what a lot of the executive and sales leaderships really lean into, it's selling the gear from customer one. To, I call it technology one. Yeah, and we have a racetrack type type of model. And our goal is to keep customers on the racetrack. How do you get the customer from technology one into technology two as fast as you can? It's an upgrade cycle. So the, the mental mindset is renew, you know, attract, renew. And once they're attracted, you get them from technology one to te uh, technology two, technology three. And our culture at Cisco is oriented around that racetrack model. As we go in and we say, all right, well, how do we enable it? How can I speak to executives in a manner that they will listen? I've started going through and building a model that I call customer two. When the customer goes from technology one to technology two, my job is how do I get the technology from the hands of customer one into the hands of customer two and maximize the value that's associated with. So if you think about how reverse logistics reads, it reads left to right every time. How do I get product back? How do I make it simple to let customers turn in their product for value, for lease? Um, how do I go through and push it through the operations when I should? Can I determine that the residual value of the product is greater than the processing cost? And residual value includes the value of the equipment. It also includes the value of the software that's attached to it. It's also combined with the value of the services that's attached to it. I feel a little bit behind the racetrack on yeah. this. And one of my eureka moments was my thought process was kind of holding us back a little bit. Hmm. The car industry has been doing this for years. You know, you go through, you drive a car uh, on the lot to upgrade it. My $20,000 used truck is worth $24,000 to someone else. <laughs> That's why the car industry will pay me $20,000 for it. It's a lot more than that now because there's a shortage. But um, your new car will have the value of the car. It will have the value of the finance. It will have the value of the services going into the warranty department. 
those same three pieces of value exist in the used car market. The used car market has to think a little bit different. Your supply, how you get things in, you don't order to a sales forecast. You have to maximize the value of everything that's on the truck. But um, putting that into a racetrack model to communicate that there is value in getting technology one from customer one to customer two, and how do you do it is one of the things that um, has been my eureka moments because that application of our continuity marketing model to use equipment is starting to gain traction. I want to ask a quick follow-up question, and, and I'll, I'll defer to both of you uh, returns experts, but Rich, are you, are you thankful that you're in the electronics industry and not the apparel industry? I, I would assume that one of the things that we, have, that we face is just the trust factor. You know, as, as new buyers, they want to trust that, that it's, it's quality and, and, and not defects. It's not, you know, all the things associated with, you know, secondhand merchandise at times. Is it easier, do you think, in the electronics industry than it is in some of the other sectors? When I left my old home, major telco, doing a lot of, uh, a lot of retail, uh, I left three years ago. And Cisco was attractive because it was out of my space. And it was global, not the U.S., when you say uh, apparel or a different electronic, uh, different industry, I think of a Venn diagram. You have things mm-hmm. on the outside. You know, it's made with fabric, not made with metal. You got things on the uh, on the inside. You've got to bring it in and know what you receive. You've got to be able to identify the cosmetic and functional condition of it. You've got to know what markets exist out there. They might come in different box sizes and have different you know, points of value versus no value, but there are a tremendous amount of organizations that are making a ton of money on used apparel. Really? You know, I've got a friend yeah. of mine that um, has, you know, started a Nike business, a shoe business on eBay when he was in his teens, using no. a PayPal account. And oh my. All, all he would do was buy sneakers off of eBay know what the value of those sneakers were, clean them up, clean them up, pictures, price them appropriately and sell them for more money. That phenomenon, there's tons of companies right now that are making a lot of money reselling used, uh, used clothes. So not used vintage. Yeah. Vintage. vintage. (laughs) I like that. New to me. (laughs) So, Rich, you're not now, I don't want to put you on the spot, but there was a famous, well-publicized story not too long ago of someone that was reselling Air Jordans that may have been related to a key executive. Is this one and the same? No, no. This okay, is, all right. This, this is different, you know, because that, that one, you know, had, based on what I understand, an in with the manufacturer. Right. This this is, uh, you know, similar to the, uh, to the car industry. Gotcha. You, know, you buy low. You sell high. Your knowledge of what the value is and your ability to get the used gear to the right customer at the right time in the right quantity. eBay blew the doors wide open on the resale market. And as long as you're doing it with integrity. Yes. And there's a lot of companies. uh, There's one, uh, cobbler.com right now is a place where you can uh, send shoes to get refurbished and sent back to you. But you make it simple. You add a value and you know your customers. How do you organize those three? You can do it with apparel. You can do it with electronics. You can do it with, you know, 
toilet seats. Yeah, you name it. There's yeah. a market for everything, right? Yep. Well, I appreciate you clarifying. <laughs> Tony, I thought we were about to have a, um, a really even unex- unexpected uh, sidebar story to Rich's appearance, but I-, I love that. I love that story. I love the entrepreneurial feel there. There is a market for everything. I want to share a quick comment, and I want to brag on Tony for a second. And then, Tony, we're going to move forward okay. for the sake of time with your next question. I want to share this from Rhonda. I'm a fan of thrifty shops and estate and garage sales. Can't say I have any furniture or decor that's not repurposed or refurbished. How about that? With the exception of a mattress, that's uh-huh. an important distinction. <laughs> My parents are into antiques, and that rubbed off on me. Also, Pop says, well, if you can duck it, uh, I'll let you all finish the, the, the quote out. I have all colors of duct tape, and it's my first go-to in sticky or tricky situations. Wasim, welcome from Bangladesh via LinkedIn. Great to see you. And then you got a fan. I'm, I'm, y'all both have plenty of fans, I'm sure. But this comes from Sarni, who is tuned in via LinkedIn. Amazing POV from Tony Sheroda on the non-technical return claims on e-commerce website, as there are only technical issues listed on the website with major subjective claims. Thank you for that feedback. Thank uh, you. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. All right. So, yeah. Tony, feel free to respond or we can move right ahead for the no, sake we have, of time. We have to jump back for just a moment because your your entire audience needs to understand Rich is amazing at figuring out how to talk to senior execs. His first meeting that I met him and watched his presentation about asset recovery market was a storybook using Dick and Jane. Okay, and now Rich has just thrown out the idea of customer two that is so simple and and is going to immediately resonate in a a CEO's brain. It's like, oh, yeah, we can do that with the returns. We can go to customer two. It's it's a beautiful capture of of Rich's uh, creativity. and, and And I always love hearing great new voices, great new ideas. And that one's perfect. Customer two. It's a whole new world out there. And and by the way, it's not just the CEO that's difficult to get to understand these things. It's the uh, finance people, right? CFOs are like, they don't understand anything, but they're going to understand customer too. <laughs> well, I, I, love- I actually got a picture <laughs> behind my desk. You, you're letting me go through my entire right, <laughs> right here was uh, you know, my first associate director of finance um, that I had when I became an operations and marketing director. I called him Mr. No. <laughs> operations and marketing is... Uh, risk, finances, risk management, there's a natural tension between the two. And back in 2010, when I was helping Verizon set up their first trading programs, the finance team is like, hey, we don't buy phones, we sell phones. <laughs> um, and I'm like, yep. well, hey, by buying these, I can make money on what we buy, and it will help me sell the customer the next thing. Yes. Um, yeah, he said no so much, I promoted him to Dr. No. <laughs> but... Um, when I was tasked to take over um, this carrier's um, monetization programs for used equipment, the person who was running the team had left, and I had to bring in one person to help me lead that group. So I'm like, who will think in terms of billions? Who has high integrity? Who will tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear? So I called Dr. No and brought him in. interview people. If you ever interview with me, you will interview in front of the picture of Dr. No. You will hear stories and you will get asked questions. Dr. No runs my value generation team at Cisco. We've been working together for uh, for 10 years, so I call him a reformed finance director. <laughs> uh, but you're exactly. right. Getting them to see the light is yep. hard, but once they see the light, yep. beautiful thing. 
Exactly. And, and so as we talk about the global industry learning uh, lessons from the pandemic, Rich, and you're coming up with some of the ways that you talked about uh, finance, uh, yeah, Mr. No, Dr. No, absolutely. And, and my joke is always you need a finance person as a drinking buddy. That's my story, because if you can get them on your side as a drinking buddy, you're, you're generally in a, in a good place. But so you've done Dick and Jane, you've done customer two. Do you think global leadership has learned a little bit now from from what's happened in the last year with the reverse and returns issues, or are those trucks just going to keep piling up with returns out there? What's your well, sense? I think they have to. You know, one of the uh, one of the biggest aha moments that we didn't have time to get into is not only have people adapted to technology, they have also started to adapt to new to you equipment. Uh, that's <laughs> there you go. Like right now, we are in the middle of global shortages of raw materials. Typically, in a, in a normal used supply versus new supply curve, used equipment is worth less than new equipment. There is one exception, and that exception is when there is not new equipment available. Exactly. Used generators sold for a lot more than new generators in Texas when we had the ice, ice storms because there were no new generators and there was a large demand for generators. My, uh, my 2015 Dodge Ram truck was worth $20,000 used at the beginning of the pandemic. Now I can sell it for almost what I paid for it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah yes. The amount of value generation we've been able to get from used equipment because the manufacturing cycle has opportunities right now. You know, sometimes there is a need to get your hand on something right now. And if you can't make new, used is the option and supply and demand 101, if there's demand and limited supply, the price increases. So the value, residual value of used equipment, not just in my space, All right. but across the entire portfolio has went up to a point where leadership cannot ignore the value and the opportunity. Love that. And, and Scott, I can go right to that and tell you that if anyone looks at our website, rla.org, and you look at the advisory board, Rich, of course, is one of them with Cisco, but I have at least four, five, six other board members saying exactly what Rich is saying right now, that used market, that demand for the return. They are actually waiting for returns to come in so they can turn around and move them quickly. There's there's that high demand, and that is that is a result of the pandemic that major global companies are taking it seriously, taking control of their returns as opposed to liquidating it for pennies on a dollar. And again, I've seen some other comments coming through in the apparel industry. This is brand new to them. I mean, it was generally always liquidated. We don't care where it goes. We give you enough money, get rid of it. We don't want it back. Right. But but now you're seeing vintage, like I said, vintage, uh, pre-loved clothing, uh, websites for the sh for the sneakers, and even the manufacturers now are wising up. This is global leadership by Nike, Adidas, North Face. They're all saying we'll take it back because they want they understand what Rich is saying about the racetrack, building a new racetrack, and keeping customers with you. So that's that's part of what global leadership has learned. I agree. Uh, great comments, and and again simplifying it rich that's perfect right so i'm going to share a couple of comments and then i'm going to shift gears for the sake of time i got a couple more questions for you rich but as this from azuka uh the vintage apparel market in nigeria and africa is huge and happen uh, happens on different levels same as cars and and most yeah. consumer products what is missing is the service element values as well as tech i love that azuka 
Fahira, the thrift clothing accessories business is probably at its peak right now amongst teens and young adults on Instagram and other marketplaces. It's getting so popular. The price is sometimes marked up so high that it's starting to become a somewhat controversial topic. How about that? Yep, good point. Peter says there's so many opportunities out there. Folks simply need to take the blinders off and turn on the lights to creative thinking. And finally, Ziggy says, shortage of Topa Chico. Not cool for us Texans. <laughs> uh, what? That's, all right, so fill me in. What is Topo Chico? Uh, I, I'm going to get uh, beat over the head with this. I've been a Texan for uh, for th- um, six years now. I grew my hair long. I bought a truck. Uh, I've learned how to cook brisket. <laughs> but I don't know what Topo Chico is. Oh, Peter comes, oh he just hey, explained it. Peter comes to, to, to the rescue of all of us. He says, Topo Chico is carbonated natural mineral water. How about that? And yes, he had to Google that. <laughs> so, thank you, Ziggy. I appreciate you keeping us on our toes. Okay. So shift gears. I know you've got a hard stop, uh, not and not too, too too far from here, um, Rich. Cisco gets lauded all the time. Uh, in my opening, we talked about it, it is one of the world's most admired companies, time and time again. Um, most sustainable companies, and you name it. You look at any of the major uh, awards out there. Cisco is usually on the top of the list. Um, here, one I cherry picked. So Fortune Magazine has ranked ranked Cisco number one on their list of the world's best workplaces for the last two years. And that kind of falls right in line with what we were talking about earlier. As Minda says, you're going to make work work for everyone. Rich, what's special about the culture and the environment in your words? So I, I think it would um, depend upon who you ask. If, if you go through and you bring in 100 employees from Cisco and ask them a question, I feel as though you would get 100 different answers because Cisco has um, invested a tremendous amount in people and culture in diversity and inclusion, they are intentional. They've got a phenomenal C-suite. And I'm not saying that because they're the top of my food chain. I'm saying that because I admire the, who they are as people. Um, I'm on the weekly calls that they have. Um, I watched how they navigated through the, uh, the campaign. I see where they invest. And there are good people at the top of uh, Cisco. My personal preference. Uh, Number one, I love the people I work with. I love my team. Uh, I love my boss. I love my peers. There's good, smart people and bright bulbs at Cisco. But what brought me to Cisco was um, a pledge that our CEO made at the World Economic Forum in Davos related to circular economy. Pledge that we would take back 100% of customers use gear from anyone, anywhere in the world at no cost. Pledge to go through and create initiatives that would make our customers want to want to send a send us back their product, uh, purchase trade-in as a service to go through and engage in things that extend the useful life cycle of the product. That's really what put customer one, customer two in my head, because how do you drive renewals and extend the useful life cycle? You've got to transition from customer one to customer two. And in the event that we have to uh, take something off of our racetrack, if the value to recirculate is less than about, um, more than, I'm sorry, less than the value to, we expect to get back from that thing. Well, then you should responsibly recycle it, do it in a closed loop fashion to where it could reuse the metals and the plastics and not molest the earth. So the intentionality that he had on circular economy brought me here. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the uh, mission of the company. And not only are we uh, rated the best place to work by fortune, 
Gartner has awarded us the top supply chain for two years in a row. And uh, we continue to perform very well. I had an old CEO that said, um, we're not in the business to make people happy. We're in the business to get results. And results make people happy. Phenomenal results, phenomenal culture, um, winning in the, uh, in the market and empowered to grow are a few of the things that I would say Cisco excels at. Love that. And as Gartner likes to say, winning in the turns, right? Uh, some, a lot of what you touched on here today. Um, I want to share this comment as we start to wind down. Kim Winter. Kim Winter is in Dubai. He is a mover and shaker, well-connected. Uh, Kim introduced us earlier this week to Mark Ormrod, who is a former Royal Marine commando that is now a triple amputee based on a, uh, from a, a devastating injury in Afghanistan in 2007. And folks, We'll be releasing the interview on Veteran Voices, and it is, it, it's remarkable. So uh, you're talking, Rich, talking about some of the service on the front end of today's interviews. Look look for that. And, Ken, big thanks for what you share there and for uh, being the great connector that you are. Okay. So, Tony, I, before we ask Rich the final question very quickly, um, in, in two minutes or less, what would – I mean, I heard that sense of purpose and mission – and the culture there, but what was your, you know, what stood out there in Rich's last answer to you? Uh, the recognition that the company l loves uh, people trying different things and not worrying about failure. They're very forward thinking. I mean, it's the old adage of, uh, you know, a hundred uh, failures can equal one success and that's all you need sometimes. But the forward thinking, I just want to point out too, it's not just their CEO, uh, but uh, Rich's predecessor, Jack Allen, who I dealt with, was one of the first people with a reverse logistics title in the industry. We don't have many. We have no C-suite, very few VPs. You can try LinkedIn. You won't find them. But now Jack Allen has a director of circular economy in his title, Rich. Is that correct? So how's that for a first? How many companies have a director of circular economy? That's phenomenal. That's very forward thinking. And that's why I love Cisco as well. Agree. That's almost as extraordinary as Jack Allen himself, uh, yeah. previous <laughs> guest here. We love Jack. Okay. Yes. So as much as I hate to bring this to a close here today, Rich, I'll be respectful of your time. How can folks connect with you and, of course, Cisco? Uh, LinkedIn, probably the, uh, the, the best way to get a hold of me. That box gets a little bit crazy. Uh, you know, Cisco.com is the best way to uh, get to know Cisco as a group. I'm also part of the uh, Reverse Logistics Association on their advisory board. So uh, you can find me on their website as well. Yep. I, I actually uh, you know, wanted to, to plug this. I am a student of the American Public University. They've got a master's degree program in reverse logistics online, one of the only ones that I have found. So uh, I'm halfway through my uh, my master's program with them. Uh, the American Public University is an offshoot of the American Military University. They uh, help train some of our soldiers as they're serving our, our country. The civilian portion is the American Public University. So I'm in class with a whole bunch of people that have a desire to be in reverse logistics. That's great. Uh, with a ton of experience. So find yeah. me in the halls there as well. Love that. Okay, I'm gonna make a bold prediction here uh, to your last <laughs> comments, Tony. You know, there may be no chief reverse logistics officers yet, but the, one of the first ones will be this this young man right here, Rich Bulger. So we'll see. I, I I love the passion. I love the purpose. I love all that you shared, and 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 yes, you know, and phenomenal. your leadership and Cisco's leadership. Really appreciate that. So. 
with no further ado, we're going to uh, bid adieu to one Rich Bulger. Really appreciate your time. Director, Global Reverse Logistics with Cisco. Have a great weekend, Rich. Pleasure. Thank Thanks, you. Rich. All righty. Wow. All right, Tony, man, wow. just like last time, yep. he is a rock and roll uh, thought leader in, in supply chain, certainly. But uh, gosh, what he's doing in reverse logistics and returns is is nothing short of extraordinary, huh? Nothing short. And um, I, I got to say, I've known him for, for about three years now. And, and I was very worried because you know Jack Allen and how phenomenal he is as a leader. And then they find somebody else like that. I, I think it's not just about luck. It's about that focus that the company has on looking forward and looking for those people who can fill those shoes. And he clearly does uh, fill those shoes for, for that company and for the industry. And, right. and Scott, I appreciate you giving people uh, like Rich and, and our others at a chance to be a voice. Mm. Uh, and, and we've always said the supply chain now is, is, is got a great voice and you are the only one amplifying the reverse voice. And I, and I appreciate that. It means a lot, uh, especially to our members. So, mm. uh, just get to say that as well. Give a plug for you guys. Thank you very much. We enjoy, we really enjoy it. You know, you, <laughs> one of our favorite guests and co-hosts and what you are doing, uh, putting a big spotlight on an industry that typically, a sector of industry typically hasn't had that is is only going to move everything forward. So appreciate that. Yeah. We've got a couple, we were going to sign off here, but I, we've got a great, I love this comment from Charles. Darn, such a great conversation in the panel. Just when I turn my cap on backwards, <laughs> the show is over. Charles is, I tell you, he always brings it. And then question for you, Tony. Yeah. Uh, oh, I picked the wrong one. So yes, here's Sarah's, here. uh, any tips on how to catch up with the Reverse Logistics Association if you're still a student? Great uh, question and, and great tips. If you go to rla.org, you will find a lot of information is easily available. And then we do have a student program. We have an academic program because they are very near and dear to my heart. You heard Rich go on about APU, but uh, we have we have a very uh, attractively priced student membership if you need it. Uh, but really, you'll find a lot of research information, a lot of industry statistics, a lot of these podcasts with amazing voices. If you just listen to a few of those, uh, you can become an expert. <laughs> Considering there's not a lot of experts in this uh, in this space, there's a lot of supply chain experts, but there's not a lot of reverse experts. So uh, you can catch up. You can get so much information. Oh, and it is free to join the community at rla.org. Everyone listening, it's free. Membership, different benefits, but you'll get so much information, so many benefits just by joining the community. Love that. Uh, rla.org. Y'all check it out. That is going to bring us to a close here today, Tony. Yeah. Tony, um, I love, again, appreciate your time today. I know you're extremely busy. Uh, Tony Sharota, as you're uh, uh, powering the voice of reverse logistics uh, and you know, interacting, working with Rich and leveraging his leadership and your board's leadership, ton of events and programming. I'll check out the upcoming conference, which you can find more yeah. at rla.org. Uh, on behalf of our entire Supply Chain Now team, big thanks to everyone that showed up at the comments. Everyone showed up behind the scenes, powering today's live stream, Amanda, Allie, Jada, and Clay. Big thanks to Rich Bolger, our home run uh, featured guest. Uh, of course, Tony and our friends at RLA. Hey, this weekend, folks, I challenge you. Do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. 
Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.